Hey, this is Speaking of Sight. With Sara and Leah. And this is episode 11. And today we're going to be covering Speaking of ADHD. So for this, we've teamed up with another account called Restoring Our Minds. It's on Instagram. You guys should definitely go check them out. They also have posts on ADHD. And yeah, we teamed up to create this podcast today. We're going to be covering what ADHD is, the symptoms of ADHD, causes of ADHD, treatments, how to help someone, and questions. So first of all, what exactly is ADHD? Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder is a mental disorder that causes abnormal levels of hyperactive and impulsive behaviours. Those with ADHD commonly have trouble focusing their attention, sitting still, controlling their behaviour, we'll go on to talk about this more. But those with ADHD are neurodivergent and it typically affects children, teenagers and it can continue into adulthood. ADHD can't exactly be prevented or cured per se, but identifying it early as well as having a good treatment plan and education plan can help those with ADHD in managing their symptoms. I just wanted to quickly clear up the difference between ADD and ADHD. So ADHD is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, whereas ADD is Attention Deficit Disorder. Many people use the term to mean the same thing and that's sometimes correct but not always. ADD is a type of ADHD that doesn't involve constant movement and fidgeting. So the confusion actually dates back to 1994 when doctors decided all forms of ADD would be called ADHD, even if the person wasn't hyperactive. Now the general term is ADHD and ADD is just a subtype. So the symptoms of ADHD in children and teenagers are well-defined and they're usually noticeable before the age of six. They occur in more than one situation, so such as home, school, work, and inattentiveness is one of the main signs of ADHD and symptoms of that can include having a short attention span and being easily distracted, making careless mistakes such as in schoolwork and math homework, appearing forgetful or losing things, being unable to stick to tasks that are tedious or time consuming, appearing to be unable to listen to or carry out instructions, constantly changing activity or task and having difficulty organizing tasks. The next type of symptoms are hyperactivity and impulsiveness. So the main signs of hyperactivity and impulsiveness are being unable to sit still, especially in calm or quiet surroundings, constantly fidgeting, being unable to concentrate on tasks, excessive physical movement, excessive talking, being unable to wait your turn, acting without thinking, interrupting conversations, and little or no sense of danger. So these symptoms can cause significant problems in a child, adult, or teenager's life, such as underachievement at school, poor social interaction with other children and adults, and problems with discipline. These are essentially all of the symptoms that ADHD typically has, but every case will differ. Next, we wanted to move on to the causes of ADHD. First of all, you have genetics. ADHD tends to run in families and in most cases it's thought that the genes you inherit from your parents are a significant factor in developing the condition. Research shows that parents and siblings of a child with ADHD are more likely to have ADHD themselves. However, the way ADHD is inherited is likely to be complex and it's not thought to be related to a single genetic fault. So other causes of ADHD could be due to brain function and structure. Research has identified a number of possible differences in the brains of people with ADHD and those without the condition and although the exact significance is not very clear. For example, studies involving brain scans suggest that certain areas of the brain may be smaller for people with ADHD whereas others may be larger. Other studies have suggested that people with ADHD may have imbalance in the level of neurotransmitters in the brain or these chemicals might not work properly which could also be a cause for ADHD. 
and there are certain groups who are more at risk those include people who are born prematurely so before the 37th week of pregnancy or those with a low birth weight or with epilepsy brain damage brain damage which happens either in the womb or after a severe head injury later on in life those are all the groups that are at risk for adhd the next thing that we wanted to go on to talk about was treatments for adhd one of the main types of treatments that people with adhd often opt for is medicine there's five big types or main types of medicine that's licensed for treatment with adhd and i'm going to go through them now i'm not sure 100 if i'm pronouncing every single one right i'm gonna try my best but yeah apologies in advance so first of all you have methylphenidine then lix dexamphetamine dexamphetamine atomoxetine and guanfacine these medicines aren't a permanent cure for adhd but they may help someone with the condition to concentrate better be less impulsive feel calmer and learn and practice skills that are new some medicines might need to be taken every day but some can be taken on just school days for example treatment breaks are occasionally recommended to assess whether or not the medicines actually needed a lot of the times people with adhd will be going to therapy as well or will be doing other treatment options alongside so they might not always need to be taking the medicine if they find that the other treatment options are helping enough if you weren't diagnosed with adhd until adulthood a gp and specialist can discuss which medicines and therapies are suitable for you it might differ slightly if you're later on in your life but definitely these are the main five that are used and have gone through lots of research if you are given these medicines or prescribed these medicines, you'll probably be given them in small doses at first, which will then be gradually increased. You probably need to see a GP for regular checkups to ensure the treatment is working effectively and check for signs of any side effects or problems, but it's important to let your GP or doctor know any side effects and talk to them about it to make sure you have healthy communication between you and your doctor. And your specialist will discuss how long you should be on the treatment for, but in many cases, treatment is continued as long as it's helping. Any other possible treatments can be cutting out certain food groups, taking supplements. There's no strong evidence that these work, but they can actually help with some of the issues that come along with ADHD. So in terms of diet, people with ADHD should eat a healthy, balanced diet, try not to cut out any foods before seeking medical advice, but just a healthy, balanced diet. And some people notice a link between types of foods and worsening ADHD symptoms. And if this is the case, they keep a diary of what you eat and drink and what behavior follows. Discuss it with your doctor who may refer you to a dietitian or someone else who can help you, but make sure you keep in mind what food you're eating, how you feel afterwards. So moving on, you have supplements. This is kind of similar to medicines that we mentioned before, but this is more about natural nutrients. So some studies have suggested that supplements of omega-3 and omega-6, so the fatty acids, may be beneficial for some people with ADHD, although the evidence supporting this is more limited than some of the other treatment options. It's advisable to talk to your GP before using any supplements specifically to treat ADHD because some can actually react unpredictably with medicine that you're taking or it can make the medicine that you're taking less effective. You should also remember that some supplements should not be taken long term as they can increase the levels in your body to dangerous amounts and actually have a lot of negative impacts. So in terms of helping someone with ADHD, it's best to educate yourself. The more you learn about ADHD, the easier to be able to see how it's affecting someone else. So learning more about ADHD can help you empathize with a friend or colleague and kind of listen to them if they're struggling and also focus more on their feelings so ask a person how they're feeling create a comfortable space so they're able to freely express their thoughts without any interruption or judgment so try to be less judgmental in general and also focus on their feelings more
So the next thing that we advise for helping someone who has ADHD is just to simply avoid being judgmental. People with ADHD can especially be sensitive to being judged as they have likely experienced numerous situations where they've been judged in the past. This might lead them to also be hyper aware of what people are saying about them or the way in which they're saying about them. Please do be aware, of course, don't do that thing where I think it happens with a lot of the different mental difficulties that we've talked about on this podcast, but a lot of the times you might, without realizing, pity someone and they're not looking for your pity. They just want to be treated like everybody else. So please do avoid being judgmental, but then of course, understand if they are having difficulty with something that you as someone who's not neurodivergent isn't having difficulty with, because they obviously go through things differently and might see things differently. So do have an open mind and don't be judgmental. There are several myths around ADHD. So the first one is that it's not a real medical condition. The National Institutes of Health and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the American Psychiatric Association all recognize ADHD as a medical condition. In fact, it's one of the most common conditions in childhood. So millions of kids and adults in in the US have it and it does affect people on a daily basis so never consider it not a real medical condition because it is and affects learning and just day-to-day life in general. The second myth that we wanted to go over today is that people with ADHD just need to try harder with air quotes. So the actual fact is ADHD isn't a problem of motivation or laziness. Kids and adults who have it are often trying as hard as they can to pay attention and telling people with ADHD to just focus is like asking someone who's nearsighted to just see farther. The reason they're struggling with attention has nothing to do with their attitude, it's because of the difference in the way that their brain functions and how it's structured. Definitely it's not something that they can fix just like that and just by you saying, oh just focus, it's easy. The way that you might experience something as someone who's not neurodivergent is completely different to the way that somebody with ADHD is going to work in that same scenario because of the way that their brain is structured. So definitely that is one thing to stay clear of and is a massive myth. The third myth that we wanted to go on to talk about is people with ADHD can't ever focus. So it's true that people with ADHD usually have trouble focusing, but if they're very interested in something or they have a specific passion for something, they might focus on it intensely and that's what's known as hyperfocus. Some kids with ADHD are easily distracted in class but can't pull themselves away from a game they're playing. Adults might have trouble focusing on the parts of work that they find boring, but they pour themselves completely into the aspects that they really like. So it completely depends, like we said before, of course it ranges from case to case, but definitely everybody's case is different and they're going to react to different scenarios or different things differently. Myth number four is that all kids with ADHD are hyperactive. So the stereotype of kids with ADHD is that they race around, they can't stop moving, but this is not the case for all kids. They don't always have the hyperactivity as a symptom. And for those who do, hyperactivity normally goes away or lessens as they get older. There are three types of ADHD. One doesn't have an impact on activity levels at all. This type of ADHD is also called ADD and it mainly impacts attention. So it's called attention deficit disorder. Myth number five is that only boys have ADHD. Boys are twice as likely to have it as girls to be diagnosed, but that doesn't mean that girls don't have it. They're just more likely to be overlooked and remain undiagnosed. So part of the reason is that ADHD can look different in boys than in girls and the symptoms in boys are more of the stereotypical symptoms like hyperactivity, whereas girls tend to have less trouble with hyperactivity and impulse control than boys do. They can come off as more daydreamy, so these symptoms can remain overlooked, which means they don't get diagnosed. So the statistic could be wrong. And 
obviously both genders can have them. So myth number six is that ADHD is a learning disability. So in actual fact, ADHD is not a learning disability. ADHD symptoms can get in the way of learning, but they don't cause difficulty in specific skills like reading, writing, and math. Some learning disabilities might co-occur with ADHD and that might cause some confusion and actually might be where this myth stems from. But just because ADHD is not a learning disability doesn't mean that if you have ADHD, you can't get help in school. Also, adults with ADHD, they're often allowed to get support at work too. It can definitely affect the way in which you're learning and working, but no, it's not a learning disability. So next we have myth number seven, and this is that kids with ADHD will outgrow it. This is actually our last myth that we wanted to address, but it's very important. So most kids don't outgrow ADHD, although some symptoms can lesser and disappear as they get older. Symptoms might also change as kids get older and learn to manage them, especially through teenage years, but that's not the same as outgrowing them. Most people with ADHD continue to have the symptoms into adulthood, and something that's actually very important is that as kids, children who have symptoms with ADHD were not taken to a GP to be diagnosed and properly treated because somebody in their life was like, oh no, they're just fidgeting, they'll grow out of it, it's okay, that's what all kids do. If you think that you struggle with this, it's best to just go and get it checked out because it's better to have that treatment option in place, otherwise you'll find that you struggle in adulthood because you weren't aware that you have ADHD, it's nothing to be ashamed of a hundred percent of course actually quite a significant number of people do have ADHD that being said please don't self-diagnose as always with everything that we've discussed on this podcast but it is better to go and get it checked out than to not so in terms of questions and recounts we just got one request that was to ensure that the neurodiverse and ADHD perspective is taken into account and we hope we did that I hope that you found this episode useful and make sure you check out the account we teamed up with, um, and tag. Yeah, so go check out our Instagram or our link tree has all of our socials in it. And we'd really appreciate it if you guys could go and take a look. And that's it for today. Bye. Bye.